The grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially if you're visiting with us today. We're so glad that you are here with us. You will see some announcements about the life of the church that are in your bulletin. This Tuesday, there is a Grief at the Holidays workshop. Each year, we offer this a little bit before Thanksgiving. We find that when people have had a loved one pass away, particularly within the last year or so, it presents a challenge at the holidays about how to celebrate with them not there. So there are some very practical, uh, good suggestions that are offered in this workshop. You are very welcome to come. You do not need to sign up. And please feel free to invite anybody that you know to come with you. It is open to the public, and it's in the paper. And it's always very helpful to whoever attends it. Also, the Laguna Beach Historical Society is meeting here this Thursday, and they are because we are presenting a program to them about the history of our church. Uh, you are, the program is actually presented for them, but you are welcome to be there and to listen along and to learn more about our history if that would be something that you would enjoy. Also, this Friday, our third Friday group invites you to come. It is a potluck dinner, which is always fabulous. And we are going to be listening to someone from Life Water International talk to us about the way that they provide water for people around the world who otherwise would not have clean water. Please sign up for that at the uh, cart on the patio because we need to know how many places to set and what you're going to bring for the potluck. We are also taking sign-ups for you to donate Christmas cookies for, for the uh, Hospitality night, the first Friday of December, when we provide cookies for the whole town out on our Rose Garden. And our choir has quite an exciting announcement. Our choir, along with a number of other people, has been invited to sing at Carnegie Hall. Yeah. That will be uh, the Sunday of next year's Thanksgiving weekend, eight, 2018. And if you might want to sing with them, that is a possibility. And several people in first service did decide they wanted to do that. You can see that you need to contact Linda, Linda White, who is our director, and she will give you information about that within the next week. We have to sign up this far ahead to make all of the arrangements for that. So you just have a week for that. As part of our anniversary, 100th anniversary celebration, we are doing lots of things. Uh, one of them is that this is our month of a celebration of gratitude, a season of, of giving thanks for God's faithfulness. And we are also selling a Christmas ornament that is like our church that marks the 100th anniversary. Those are at a cart out on the patio. And they are also with the shirts and hats, if you do not have one of those yet and would like to get one. Our outreach committee is collecting donations today at their cart for meals for holiday, fam uh, holiday meals for military families at Camp Pendleton out on the patio today. There will be a congregational meeting right at this time slot, right at 10 o'clock next week to elect our new deacons and elders for our congregation. And this week, one of our members, Mildred Nielsen, passed into the presence of the Lord. Mildred, if I do the math right, was 95. Uh, she was a fairly new member, and she used to sit right up here and sometimes over there. Perhaps you have seen her. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Lord, we are the recipients of your grace, unmerited, free, simply given to us, revealed to us in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. You've poured out your Holy Spirit upon us, and we are your people. We gather in this house, your house this day, to worship you, to proclaim our gratitude for your grace in our lives. Because we have been here this day, may we be shaped by the great spirit of generosity that is in your heart. Bless us and bring illumination to your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The words of Scripture call us to worship this morning. From the Psalms and from Paul's letter to Timothy, we join together responsively. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ear to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things we've heard and known, 
that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. This is right and it is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is also one mediator between God and human, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. And this was attested at the right time. And so, church, let us stand as we sing, holy, holy, holy. God for eternal life.
in the light of God's glory, we see ourselves as we truly are. We come before the Lord in confession, praying responsively. We brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered from, from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. One cannot serve both God and wealth. Holy and compassionate God, you have loved us with unfailing, self-giving mercy, but we have not loved you. You constantly call us, but we do not listen. You ask us to love, but we walk away from neighbors in need, wrapped in our own concerns. We condone evil, prejudice, warfare, and greed. God of grace, as you come to us in mercy, we repent in spirit and in truth, admit our sin, and gratefully receive the forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. And now we take a moment for our silent confession. God, the creator, brings you to new life, forgives and redeems you. Take hold of this forgiveness and live your life in the spirit of Jesus Christ. This is the gift we have from God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
psalm we read this morning is Psalm 49, is considered to be one of the wisdom psalms of the Old Testament, part of the wisdom literature that includes books like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, and a number of wisdom psalms. Psalm 49 and then to the New Testament, Luke 12. Hear this, all you peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the harp. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of my persecutors surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches, truly, no ransom avails for one's life. There is no price one can give to God for it, for the ransom of life is costly and can never suffice that one should live on forever and never see the grave. When we look at the wise, they die. Fool and dolt perish together and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations. Though they named lands their own, mortals cannot abide in their pomp. They are like the animals that perish. Such is the fate of the foolhardy, the end of those who are pleased with their lot. Like sheep they are appointed for shield. Death shall be their shepherd. Straight to the grave they descend, and their form shall waste away. Sheol shall be their home. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Do not be afraid when some become rich, when the wealth of their houses increases. For when they die, they will carry nothing away. Their wealth will not go down after them, though in their lifetime they count themselves happy. For you are praised when you do well for yourself. They will go to the company of their ancestors, who will never again see the light. Mortals cannot abide in their pomp. They are like the animals that perish. And from Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Verse 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word of the Lord. Lay up your treasures in heaven, O people, lay up your treasures in glory, where nothing in this world can take them away. Oh, listen, people, hear the Master say, come and lay up your treasures in heaven, O people, lay up your treasures in glory, your treasures in this world will fade away, but the things of the Lord will last forever. pray together. Lord, you have blessed us in every way that we can possibly imagine. You have enriched us spiritually and materially and called us to your kingdom for such a time as this. We ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit now that you will bring illumination to your word Make our hearts receptive soils so that the plants of the kingdom may grow and blossom and bear fruit. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It was some time ago that I decided I wanted to enrich my own life a bit and uh, to expose myself to more of the literature that has been uh, written in America and especially in California. And so one of the things I decided to do was to go back to Irvine Valley College and take a course in American literature. And uh, I was not disappointed. It was a wonderful time. And uh, one of the things I discovered, even though I'd read some of these materials before, one of the things I discovered was that so often our novelists are the most profound interpreters of biblical reality. They tell us stories that illustrate what the biblical word is about and the truth of the kingdom of God. And in that class, one of the books that we read was John Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath. Uh, I bet you if I ask you to raise your hands that many of you would say, I read it in high school or I read it in college in that introductory literature class. And I had dabbled in it over the years, but when I read it again, and discovered Steinbeck as a California novelist, discovered that in that book that is ranked in the top ten novels in the history of American literature, that in that book there is a profound interpretation, a biblical worldview 
that is developed around the great issues of wealth and poverty and natural disaster. And it has much to teach us, and it illustrates this morning what our text in Psalm 49 and Luke 12 are saying. The grapes of wrath were about the 1930s in America. Maybe not many of us were born at that time, but some of us were. I, I came on the scene late in the 1930s, but I knew the stories of what had happened in northwest Texas and Oklahoma and Arkansas in the years of the Great Depression of the 1930s, the Dust Bowl years. Maybe you've seen the documentary that Ken Burns did on the Dust Bowl years. Years of drought through the 1930s. Years of economic depression. Years in which the science of farming had not been developed so that the fields were not plowed correctly. And in those years of drought, the winds would come down from the north and the loose soil would simply blow away from Colorado and New Mexico and Kansas and come south to northwest Texas and to the area where our family lived. I had an uncle who did dry land farming in West Texas, a little place called Brownfield, Texas, and it was well named. Dry land farming in years when there was no rain. Those were difficult years. The great dust clouds would come down and in the middle of the day blot out the sun and it would be dark as night. And one of our members reminded me this morning that in the part of Kansas where he grew up, he could remember still women and men sealing the windows of their houses so that the sand could not seep through and cover the whole inside of the house. There were many folks out in the Midwest who lost everything they had during those years. The banks foreclosed. And the people longed for a new beginning. And many put their mattresses on the roof of their cars and took out on US 66 that ran right through my hometown. Now I-40. They were looking for a new beginning in a golden state called California. They'd experienced prejudice and hostility and rejection and ended up losing everything and so they traveled west in a great exodus, if you will. Some say out of Egypt toward the promised land of California. Only to discover that even though things were green in California, and California had the reputation of being the golden state, nevertheless, the migrants, those who were on the run, were not any no better accepted in California than they were in their home states. Steinbeck captured what was happening during that time and my theologian who's one of my heroes, Walter Brueggemann, said that The Grapes of Wrath, that novel, captured what was driving Psalm 49. One of the characters in the story made this statement, and I want to read it. I hear there's 300,000 of our people there and living like hogs because everything in California is owned. There ain't nothing left. And then people that owns it is going to hang on to it if they got to kill everybody in the world to do it. 
and they're scared and that makes them mad you got to see it you got to hear it prettiest gd country you'll ever seen but they ain't nice to you them folks they're so scared and worried they ain't even nice to each other The story of the division between the haves and the have-nots. Between those who have, who are determined to hold on to it, and who end up organizing their lives around their possessions, their properties, their investments, and are determined to keep others out and to not share, lacking in the spirit of generosity. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. I grew up in a relatively wealthy community with relatively wealthy parents. My dad was a business owner. And they were good times. And I think all of us, as we identify with the various characters in, these, in the Psalms and in the gospel stories, we can easily identify with the rich because we have a roof over our house, over our head. We have clothes to wear and we have automobiles to drive and clean water to drink. And we have been blessed materially and we are grateful for that. And we believe that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and that God has created a beautiful creation and he has blessed us. And sometimes if we think about it, we wonder how it is in this world in which we live that 10% of the people at times end up owning 90% of everything and are resistant to those who come in need. In my hometown... One of my friends was a guy, he was a year younger than me. His name was Stanley Marsh III. Not the third, but three. <laughs> and he was a wealthy, eccentric kid. His family had made their money in farming and ranching and oil and gas. And they owned television stations later on. And my friend Stanley... He was determined to get attention for himself and he engaged in every bizarre act that one can possibly imagine. He developed a huge spread. Our 50th high school reunion, we celebrated it in a majestic uh, Texas barbecue at Toad Hall, which was the name of his house. <laughs> and you could survey the whole kingdom, if you will, all the prairie. He had stocked the prairies of his ranches with wild animals from Africa. And he considered himself as an artist. He, had, he graduated from the University of Pennsylvania and graduate degrees in economics and, and American history. And so it was not that he was uneducated, but he needed to get the focus on himself. And one of the things he did as an expression of the uh, flourishing of his own mind and worldview was that he got ten of his Cadillacs and he planted them in the soil beside US 66 or I-40 and Life magazine made him famous and said this was one of the great treasures of American art. <laughs> and people come from everywhere to see those. They call it the Cadillac Ranch. In a very subtle way, it says so much about my home state, <laughs> which I still love. Once a Texan, always a Texan. But you meet some characters along the way. One of the things we didn't realize in those years about Stanley was that he was actually giving drugs to teenage boys and seducing them in his office. And he ended up 
his life a mess, publicly charged in the courts. Multiple strokes. 2012, he died. The case was never really heard in the courts. The charges were dismissed. I used to think that his behavior was bizarre until recently. When it seems like one house of cards after another tumbles down the abuse of money, sex, and power in every field, from politics to economics to the entertainment industry to the church even. And some of us wonder, what has happened to our world that people can use whatever power they've been able to accumulate, whether it's wealth or sex or beauty, to manipulate and to use others for their own benefits and pleasures. It is exactly this that is interpreted for us in the wisdom literature of Psalm 49 and Ecclesiastes and Job. And our world is in great need of reading this material and reflecting upon it because it reflects God's will, how we are to live as human persons and how we are to treat one another and how we are to think about the power that we accumulate. And Psalm 49 simply suggests that the wealthy make the mistake of thinking that they can ransom their own souls, that they have the resources and the power to determine their own destiny, and that it is not true what some have suggested, that you never see a U-Haul trailer behind the hearse on the way to the cemetery. seek to do good. We justify ourselves. We turn inward. We use our money. We, we seek to accomplish our own ends, only thinking that we determine everything about life and the great tragedy of the rich who are not rich toward God is that they forget that they're going to die, that we are all like the animals who perish who return to the dust. Now, that is a sobering word. <laughs> and it's not the philosophy of Jerry Tankersley. It really is the wisdom of the Bible calling us to turn to God, to turn to life, to understand that no one can pay the ransom for a life except God alone. And that is the good news of this psalm. It's the good news of the parable that Jesus told. I hate to tell you this story from Luke 12, but, you know, Jesus told it about a guy, about Jesus who, you know, someone asked him, uh, teacher, command my brother to divide the estate with me. You ever heard that in a family when a loved one has died? Divide up the inheritance. That's why we focus so much on wills, to make sure that they can't be contested and, and all of that. But Jesus said, take heed, beware of falling into greed, which is idolatry, which is the false assumptions that you can pay whatever ransom needed to escape from your ultimate destiny, which is death. No one can do that. Jesus said there was a guy, he was wealthy, and one day he decided it's time for me to retire. He said, my barns cannot hold everything I have. I'm going to tear them down. I'm going to build them again. I'm going to fill them up. And he did so. And he said to himself, soul, time to retire. Eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is going to be required of you. And whose will they be all those things that you have accumulated and cherished? Better store up for yourself treasures in heaven where no moth or rust can consume 
and destroy the things that you've depended upon to ransom your life. Eugene Peterson translated in his great translation of the Bible, The Message, he says, what God has done in the face of our inabilities to do for ourselves what must be done, and that is to ransom, that God has paid the costly price of the ransom in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, his Son. And upon the cross in his shed blood, God reconciled us to himself and poured out his blessings and said, I love you. I ransom your life. I purchase you from the powers of sin and death. When you face the moment of death, I want you to understand that that invisible part of yourself, your soul that's just as real as your body, that I am going to reach down and take hold of it and grab it and receive it and there shall be a victory over the powers of death. And nothing can separate you from my love. This is the good news that is proclaimed in this wisdom literature. That life takes on meaning and purpose when we understand who owns us. Who paid the ransom price for us and because he's paid that price we belong to him in life and in death we belong to God and that is the most comforting word that we can possibly receive the awareness that even when we face the reality of Sheol or the grave that we don't have to justify ourselves or pay a price ourselves but simply affirm that we are held by the almighty arms of God who loves us beyond anything we can imagine, who paid the ransom for our lives, our souls. Dallas Willard, Willard at USC said, if you were to take my body and put it on the operating table and open me up, he said, searching for my soul, you wouldn't find it. You wouldn't be able to see it. But nevertheless, it's just as real as my body. It's me. It's you, soul. And so the question this morning is, how's your soul? Who holds your soul? Who is able to lead you into the fullness of eternal life? Fred Beekner, in one of his great sermons, said words like this. He said, do not be afraid. These were the psalmist's words. Do not be afraid, young men. Do not be afraid, young men dying. Do not be afraid, lost men. Do not be afraid, old men. And he said, in my own personal life, I have faced the offensiveness of the cross, and I know how much it costs God to ransom my soul and therefore, I do not have to be afraid of death. Because I know the one who has triumphed over death. And because of that, I can say, do not be afraid. For the end is not death. But the end is life. I love that. The end is life. Ransom, held, eternally secure in the love of God revealed in Christ. And because we have received such grace for the rest of our days in this life, we give ourselves in the spirit of generosity and gratitude for the building up not only of ourselves, our families, our churches, our nation, our world, but we give of ourselves for building the kingdom of God. And the greatest gift you can ever receive is that gift of gratitude for what you've received and for what God has done in ransoming your soul.
May we leave here this day knowing to whom we belong, that we've been ransomed, purchased, set free, redeemed, belonging to the Lord. Please stand and affirm with me our faith. This affirmation of faith is very much like the scriptures we've read this morning. It comes from Revelation chapter 5, the vision that John the Apostle had of worship in heaven around the throne of God and of the great lion of the tribe of Judah who is also the Lamb of God who has ransomed people for himself out, out of every race and nation and language and incorporated us as priests to God in one new humanity. We affirm our faith responsively. Those around the throne of God fall down before the Lamb and sing a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. With full voice we join in their unending song of praise. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated as we receive the morning offering.
gracious God, you are one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ, you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Before we know what to ask, you are fashioning out of your sovereign love everything that we need. We lift up our church. We pray that you will continue to empower us as we preach and teach the word. Build up your people in faith. Reach out to our communities and care for those in need. We praise you, O oh God, for the compassionate love we have seen in our Lord, that love that will not give up on us. We pray for a greater capacity to love others, to befriend the lonely, travel with those who are desperate, comfort those who mourn, to encourage those who are depressed, and to listen to those who are troubled. Hear us now as we lift up those who come to mind. Continue to open our eyes, O Lord, to the needs around us, and by your Spirit move us when we can make a difference. May our gifts today be a sign for each other and the world that we pledge to work together in your name for the healing and salvation of this broken and hurting world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Almighty Cross is our closing hymn, and you'll find the words and the music on the music insert this morning. He's made the mighty cross a tree of life. Let's sing together. Almighty Cross, love lifted high. to worship text from 1 Timothy. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. 
this was attested at the right time. He's got the whole world in his hands, and he's reached down to grab you, O soul, for himself. Amen. Thank you.